Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and with me this evening, all the way down in Central Texas, my friend Elijah Gilmore. Is that about right? Central? North Texas. North Texas. Okay. Everyone in Texas is specific about where they're from. They don't want to be labeled as East Texas if they're from whatever, West Texas. This is true. And nobody wants to be thought of as from Austin. Is that right? Very correct. <laughs> Unless you're from Austin. Unless you're from Austin, then it's then it's pretty cool. Okay, so um, Elijah and I were talking about this last week, and uh, I wanted to you know kind of give you a little intro. Uh, he he's one of my best friends. Uh, I've known Elijah f- for a long time. He was thinking it was ten years. Was that right? Yeah, something like that. We're getting close to that. So where I met Elijah and how this whole thing started was I met him when I was uh, illegally buying firearms um, in an alleyway. (laughs) He's not denying it. And uh, Elijah. ATF agent listening, that's not how that happened. (laughs) Okay. There was a time in the state of Colorado when you could sell firearms from one person to another without paperwork. And and everybody did it all the time. You could buy a firearm at a garage sale. You'd, you know, buy firearms and give them away as birthday presents. So anyway, I, I was shopping for some firearm and Elijah was, um, he, he was selling a firearm and I ended up buying it from him. So that's how this uh relationship started so anyway um it it went bad because elijah was trying to sell the firearms in order to get money to support his meth habit so the deal goes bad um i tell him to get lost in a very kind and christian manner he starts using profanity pulls out a pistol i wrestle it away from him shoot him (laughs) now i only did it I only shot him in his hand, okay, because, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to take the guy's life, you know. I, I don't know him, and he might – I believe in second chances. Uh, Elijah can show you his hand, um, you know, and you can see the wound. Anyway, uh, by the end of the night, uh, we're buddies. Uh, we go back to the original deal. I buy a firearm from him, and uh, he's pretty humble about the whole situation. I take out my Bible, lead him to the Lord – um, the kids come out, they're cheering, um, they run inside, fill up the bathtub, we baptize them right there. I mean, it just gets better and better from there. So he turns his life around, marries a beautiful sweetheart of a lady down in Texas. Elijah has uh, five kids, they are wonderful. Um, and uh, he used to live in western Colorado, now he lives down in Texas, and he's the I don't know, the CEO of some company that takes money from rich people for, what was it again? So, uh, being on the Bible Thumper podcast, wouldn't yeah. you assume that you would follow the Bible and not lie through your teeth? So, Elijah wants certain <laughs> of those details to be omitted or changed, but because there is no way that... that less than 90% of that story is dead nuts accurate. Actually would say 90% of that story is false. <laughs> but okay. 
So anyway, I, I've known Elijah for a long time. Um, when uh, um, he 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 worked for me for a little while, um, he lived with us at our home for a little while. Um, we're good friends with him and all his kids and his wife, and you know uh, we love them to death. So um, anyway, uh, the 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 reason this podcast came up. Uh, or this episode anyhow is because we were chit-chatting about something and you had a question for me or something came to light why don't you take it from here and um, let the folks know what was going on why are we talking tonight what are we what are we what's how do we get here well it's it's definitely not to reminisce on fake stories so oh brother he's not gonna let it go all right it wasn't meth i think it was speed i don't know drugs all right so maybe that detail was wrong let's move so, it along here it was a little bit before christmas we were having a conversation about uh actually i called i was on i was driving out to the ranch mm-hmm. and i called uh to talk to you about the true meaning of christmas essentially okay but it was a, it was about um what I do with my kids because sometimes the Christmas season gets mm-hmm. very frustrating for mm-hmm. several reasons. And um, we were talking about why the Christmas time is supposed to, or what it's supposed to be about the true meaning. And then it spiraled into a very different conversation <laughs> about all the crazy beliefs of, of Patrick. Yes. I think that's the title of this podcast. I don't know if you can see it on your screen. Elijah oh, Gilmore yeah. and Patrick Hayes discuss Patrick's crazy beliefs. There you go. So Elijah and I were chit-chatting about Christmas, and then it came to light that I don't celebrate Christmas, and uh, then it only, you know, went from there. So uh, what else did we get into? I mean, we ended up talking for half an hour at that point, didn't we? About I think we talked for closer to an hour because I made it pretty about halfway there. Okay. Um <clears throat> So we went into Easter, mm-hmm. went into Jewish holidays. Uh huh. Um, we went into. I'd like to debate uh, that last point, but go ahead. The, the okay, sorry. <laughs> holidays from the Bible. There you go. Very good. <clears throat> um, we went into the Sabbath day, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there was some a couple other things that I'm forgetting, but yeah. Usually about how our conversations go, they they yeah. start on one subject and yep. kind of morph into something very different. So I suggested to Elijah, I said, hey, these are all great questions, but instead of, you know, continuing this and answering them, you know, why don't we just record this and you can ask me whatever questions you want. And that way, a whole bunch of other people that have the same questions can get them answered as well. So here we are. So where would you like to start? Well, we can start with the first question that uh kind of started this whole thing yeah which is christmas okay christmas holiday Mm -hmm. celebrated by most folks yes um i would say the 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 entire christian world Mm -hmm. would argue essentially for celebrate some form of it Mm -hmm. and uh and then it kind of started into why you don't celebrate it okay so um, so let's, let's start there. <clears throat> and I mean, sure we can go into several different parts about the whole Christmas tree and everything else, which oh, uh, I love in, talking in about Christmas trees. Oh yeah. In our conversation, I did mention, cause I, I do realize that it is a very much from pagan, um, you know, uh, 
background. Mm -hmm. But um, so let's just start with Christmas. No Christmas. Okay. What about it? Give me a question. Give me direct questions, and I will give you direct answers. All right. Why do you not celebrate Christmas? Okay. So what happened to me was um, early on, and I mean, like I'm. I've been reading the Bible for maybe a year or two, and um, I finally kind of settled down in my life where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to live in this one town. I got a new, steady, grown-up job, and I'm going to start going to church. And I started going to church, and in the first year, um, I had a bunch of things come up. And the first thing that came up, I, I want to say, was Easter. And um, I was a very inquisitive guy. And uh, when I was reading through the Bible, I always had a lot of questions for anyone that could answer them. So Easter comes up, and I go to this pastor of this church I'm going to, and I said, hey, uh, I got a question for you. I kind of always wanted to know this. Uh, What do bunnies laying eggs have to do with Jesus raising from the dead? And he looks at me as if, this thought had never crossed his mind. And, uh, he's like, man, I don't know. I said, okay. Um, you, you want to look into it? So he never did. And I asked a handful and now I'm like, well, why doesn't, you know, isn't this the guy that's supposed to have the answers here? So I talked to a bunch of my other Christian friends and, and I'm the new guy, right? I'm the, I'm the noob. And I'm like, Hey, what, what's up with this? you know, Easter thing and what's up with the bunnies and the eggs and where'd this stuff come from and the painting of the eggs and the, uh, you know, horrible pastel colors. And I mean, the whole rigmarole, what's up with this? So nobody had any answers for me. So I started looking into it myself and, uh, it wasn't very hard to find that there was a bunch of messed up stuff associated with Easter And the more I dug, the more disturbing things I found. And really what it came down to was it's very easy to know the day that Jesus rose from the dead because the Bible talks about it, and it's not Easter. Easter has nothing to do with it. And when I found all this stuff out, I brought it up to some folks, and I'll tell you what, everyone just wanted me to shut up and go away. I was like, okay, well, whatever. So now I'm on this mission. So as we're going through the year and these different things are coming up, next one was Christmas. And I'm like, what's up with the tree? Like I, we cut a tree down and bring it inside and we set it up and we wrap it up with lights. And, you know, this is the centerpiece of everyone's living room. I was like, did anyone ever wonder where this came from? So again, I start asking questions and again, everyone wants me to just shut up and go away. And I start looking into that and I'm like, dude, this is not okay. And this one is like straight up Bible condemns it clearly. The Bible literally says, do not get a tree from outside, cut it down, drag it in your house, set it up and decorate it. It literally says that. And I was showing people this and I'm like, guys, does nobody, this isn't a concern to anybody. And again, 
just deaf ears everywhere. And it wasn't like someone came to me as like, oh, Patrick, you have it all wrong. You're just misunderstanding. Let me show you, you know, what this stuff's about. It was none of that. It was just, you know, sit down and shut up and stop asking these questions. You're freaking us out and you sound like a weirdo. I was like, that's fine. I'm, you know, so it was fine that I sound like a weirdo. I've, I've sounded like a weirdo my whole life. I would, that didn't bother me any. What bothered me was that nobody had any answers. So for me, I was always a very fundamental guy. The Bible says it, and I believe it, and that settles it. So for me, and I'm just going to read this portion of scripture to everybody so you can get it, and you know you can look it up yourself. If you go to Jeremiah chapter 10, uh, and you're going to say, oh, let's start in verse 1. Hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you, O house of Israel, thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen. So can we all agree that we're about to learn what the heathens are doing? Because God says, don't do what the heathens do. It says, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain, for one cutteth a tree out of the forest. The work of the hands of the workmen with the axe, they deck it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. They are upright as the palm tree, but speak not. Does the Bible not say that the pagans cut down trees, bring them inside, set them up, and then decorate them? Does it not say that as clearly as anything you've ever read in the Bible? It's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. So for me, like day one, I mean, first year I'm going to church, I'm like, I am not having one of those trees in my house. Like, that's my line. There is no way that that's okay. Which, let me tell you, uh, made me like, you know, a weirdo and a freak uh, in front of every one of my Christian friends. Because the first thing everyone would ask when they'd come over and it was the middle of December is like, where's the Christmas tree? And I'm like, yeah. And my wife would just look at him and be like, just don't even, just don't ask. <laughs> okay, just stop talking. Don't get them started. So then I started looking into a bunch of other stuff. And for me... This is what it comes down to. People are going to fall into one or two camps. They're either going to fall into the camp of whatever the Bible says, that's what I'm going to do. I don't care if it's difficult or strange or awkward or weird or or uh, hard to accept or socially unacceptable. I'm just going to do it because I know that's what pleases God. So you have that group. That is a very small group. Then you have a group that says, whatever the Bible says, that's what I'm doing. Unless it's socially unacceptable, then I'm just going to do what my friends and my in-laws do because I don't want to fight with people. That's a very large popular group in Christianity today. Or fight with your spouse. Yeah, or fight with your spouse. And I get it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand I don't agree with it. Obviously, that's not the way I live, but I understand why it works that way. So then I got into, okay, well, let's check out some other stuff. When was Jesus born? It's really easy to determine from the Bible. He was not born in the middle of winter. So then it's like, okay, so why are we celebrating his birth? Which, by the way, the Bible never says to celebrate. Why are we celebrating his birth, and why are we picking an arbitrary day, and why does it happen to fall on 
the um uh the winter solstice it just happens to fall on that very day and nobody seems to see that that is a strange thing one of eight days that all of the witches and druids around the world you know celebrate all the time one of the big eight days of all the pagans you have two solstices you have two equinoxes and then you have days in between those four days which make up the pagan days that they celebrate okay and when you what you find is that and this is going in a little deeper than a lot of a lot of people want to hear when christianity became legal under emperor constantine in the third century the christians came out from their hiding and living in caves and for the first time in hundreds of years since christ were able to worship god freely and it was this big breath of fresh air his successor emperor theodosius made christianity mandatory throughout the world so all of a sudden every single sun worshiping tree hugging you know flip-flop wearing pagan in you know all of the world is under order by pain of death to become a christian so do you think they all just threw away their idols and jumped on board and started worshiping the lord jesus of course not but they had to go along with it so that they were in compliance with Roman law. So then what they did, all the real Christians were like, this is insane. This is not okay. This is not the church. This is not what the Bible says. We are not all supposed to just bring our stuff and mix it all together. It is not, you know, ecumenical time. Uh, So the real Christians went back underground and there was a state run Uh, church which was the church of rome the roman catholic church that emperor constantine was the founder of and what they did to make all the pagans happy they just let them bring all their junk in and they just merged everything together so you have this quasi christian pagan system and then what happened was a lot of those things just stuck easter is one of them okay jesus did not raise from the dead on easter Uh, Sunday. He rose from the dead on the Feast of First Fruits, which is the first uh, day after the Sabbath, after the Passover, which always falls on a Sunday. And the year that Jesus was crucified, he was the Passover lamb. He was crucified on Passover. It turned out that the Feast of First Fruits was three days later so he rose on the feast of first fruits when you read in the bible in romans and first corinthians paul calls jesus the first fruits so jesus did not rise on easter sunday easter was celebrated prior to jesus ever even being born okay if you want to really know the history of it and easter can be uh can come on the calendar it's based on the lunar calendar has nothing to do with with christ and easter can fall several weeks prior to passover well jesus died on passover he doesn't raise from the dead prior to him dying so when you actually take a look at any of this stuff you're like okay this is weird and this is a problem uh the bible even explains in the book of acts it talks about uh Um, Easter. It calls it a pagan holiday and it shows you in the calendar how it is a total mess. So for me, 
I'm holding on to these beliefs. I marry the sweetest girl in the world who loves God and is fine with her husband being a crazy wackadoo so long as we, you know, run after God together. So from the very beginning, uh, Elijah, we, we went to church literally 51 weeks a year. And I told my family, we are not going on Easter Sunday. We are staying home. We're taking the Sunday off. I will not show up. I will not see a bunny. I will not say happy Easter to anyone. I don't want to hear about it. It's the goddess Eshtar. Okay. It is 100% pagan. Uh, Bunnies laying eggs are both uh, pagan symbols of uh, fertility. She was the goddess of fertility. And what they used, and they used to uh, sacrifice children. Okay, that's what you did when you wanted more children. You'd sacrifice the children. And uh, what they would do is they would drain them of their blood, and that's what they uh, did to paint the eggs. That's where it all came from. It was insane. So I was like, yep, we ain't doing that. And then uh, the Christmas tree, right out of the gate, I'm like, I'm not doing it. Um, Christmas was a harder one. That took a little while. Um, But we have since dropped Christmas altogether. And we celebrate Hanukkah. That's okay. that's my uh, that's my answer. I don't know if that was more than you wanted, but I wanted to give a little bit of background and color to the story. Well, that actually answered a couple of the questions I had on here. So you're kind of blowing Mo- through them. Okay, cool. What else you got? Okay. Fire away. Well, um, okay. So let's expand on the Christmas thing a little more. Yeah. Where? So. Obviously, no tree. Understandable. Santa mm-hmm. Claus. Completely get it. Yeah. I mean, no one ever thought like he I, was Christian, right? Right. Yeah, okay. Yes. Um. The but the non-celebrating of Christmas. Yes. Is it in the Bible to not celebrate Christ's birth, even if it does? I understand what everything you just said about yeah twenty fifth yeah 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 um, and December mm-hmm. and and all that of you know um cause yeah. You, from what I recall, he's, he, we, everyone thinks he was born in the spring, right? Yeah. Yeah. And right. there's reasons for it. Okay. The, right. the, the flocks were not out grazing in the deserts in the middle of December in Israel. They all would have frozen to death. Yep. Nobody was doing that. I mean, yep. that's, it's insanity. Yep. So yes. Um, so your question is why not, what's wrong with celebrating the birth of Christ? Okay. So here's the thing. Correct. Number one, if everyone would say we're going to celebrate it at some random time in the spring that doesn't coincide with a pagan holiday, I'd say, okay, I get it. I mean, you want to celebrate the birth of Christ? That's fine. But Elijah, is that ever going to happen? Of course not. No. People like Christmas because they like Norman Rockwell and they like getting the, you know, uh, the train track set up and making the cookies and the whole thing. People like the whole time of Christmas. So the way I see it, words have meaning. And and things have a definition. They have an origin. We can't just call something Christian and it is. There's never going to be Christian whiskey and Christian cigarettes or Christian pornography. We can't just throw the label Christian at it 
and it becomes washed and holy. Yep. Okay. So in the same way, we can't do that with pagan holidays. We can't throw enough Christian looking sounding things on it to where we forget about the actual holiday Saturnalia that's going on that, you know, the Romans were worshiping their pagan gods and having drunken orgies during the time. We can't forget about those things and just say, oh, yeah, yeah, just, you know, don't worry about that. It's, it's totally Christian. Just, you know, Jesus was born then. Was he really? Yep. Well, no, I mean, we all know he wasn't. But, you know, we're just trying to get everyone on board. And, you know, it, it works out well for commercialism and Hallmark. So is there any place in the Bible that it talks about a celebration of Christ's birth? No. It talks about the birth of Christ in the Gospel of, of Luke. Yeah. But what it does do is it does talk about the celebration of his resurrection. And believe it or not, it even talks about the celebration of his crucifixion. But people don't typically understand that. The, the crucifixion was not a grievous, sad, lamentable event. It was a triumph. It was a celebration. It was the most wonderful thing that had ever happened in the history of the universe. And then what we find is that every major event in the life of Christ happened on a holy day, including his crucifixion and his resurrection. What we find is that, yes, he was born. I mean, obviously we know that. But if God even wanted us to celebrate it or have an idea about celebrating it he could have told us he could have hinted at it so no people want to celebrate the birth of christ uh great that's fine have a parade uh don't have it on december 25th and i'll show up <laughs> okay so then <clears throat> how about we talk about the ones that you do celebrate okay so can you name them uh of course not the the holidays in the Bible? No, I cannot name them all. But let's just start with the American, Amer standard American holidays. Oh, okay. So we're not we're not doing okay. Standard American we're holidays. Go we're gonna go there next. Great. Okay. So, so I mean, uh, go ahead. I'm sure Fourth of July. Yeah. I know. I love it. Yep. Mm -hmm. okay. um, I, I know you celebrate Memorial Day. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving is honestly the most Christian holiday that we have. It is the one that is the most centered around God and his miracles of any American holiday that we have. Okay. Yeah, I love Thanksgiving. You want to dive into that a little bit? I mean, when you, so uh, for anyone that's listening, I mean, you, you can uh, find us on, if you Google Bible Thumper podcast, you're going to find a YouTube channel. You're going to find a Facebook page. Uh, you might find a website, which is still under construction. So you're not going to get much out of that. And you're going to find us on Spotify, Apple um, podcast, Google play. We're everywhere you can find a podcast. And if you go back uh, sometime around November, uh, you're going to find me giving a message that you can find on the podcast called, I think it's uh, 
Thanksgiving in the Bible or uh, Thanksgiving, the Bible versus communism. I think that's the title of it. So you can search for that podcast and you can, you know, you can hear about that. I go over the story of William Bradford and the pilgrims and coming over to America and setting up uh, the colony and their interactions with the Indians and all the miracles that God did for those people and why uh, they celebrated it, their thanksgiving to God and how he you know, provided for them. So it is really a holiday that is steeped in the Bible, in God, and in his miracles, which is why it's so great to celebrate. Uh, but okay. it's one of the only ones now, and this is going to get into the weeds for just a second. My wife and my six kids and I have been celebrating the seven holy days that we read about in Leviticus chapter uh, 23. And we have been keeping the Sabbath which is also described in Leviticus chapter 23, but it's not specifically a holy day. And we've been celebrating Hanukkah. And we've been doing all, all those things for at least four or five years. Might might be as many as six, but l- let's say for sure we've been doing it for like five years. The wonderful thing about doing all those is that it accomplishes what you hate about Christmas. Or I'm sorry, It combats what you hate about Christmas. What you and several other dads like you are starting to get tired of with Christmas is that the whole thing is about eating a lot of food, nothing wrong with that, bless God, and a whole bunch of presents. And it has very little to do with, very little focus on Jesus and the Bible. And the wonderful thing about celebrating the holy days is, is they are all about spending time with your family and incorporating God and the Bible and the stories of the Bible into the holiday and remembering the great things that God has done throughout the history of earth and his people. That's the reason, the same reason I love Thanksgiving is the same reason that I love all the holy days. It's all about God. It's all about the Bible. It gives us a great chance to tell the stories. And, you know, it's just a it's just a fun time. All about family. Every single one of them is, you know, usually has food involved and a lot of eating, which we all love. Uh, and it's a celebration of God. Okay. And that's where this whole thing came from was, so what do we do in my household mm-hmm. is I, 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 you know, have little battles that I, well, if I said no more Christmas, I mean, there'd be anarchy. On the street. My house would get burnt down. Um, I'd probably get divorced. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's no telling what would happen. Mm-hmm. So my little victory was every morning before a single kid or anyone can open a present. Yeah. You read the entire Christmas story. And sure. I go back to Isaiah. Yeah. So when he had a prophecy, yeah. the whole thing. Yep. And the first day, time I did it, the kids, oh my God, you would have thought i just (laughs) murdered santa claus in front of them yeah oh man (laughs) they've gotten used to it now they kind of just play along and yeah but um you know so so then the holidays Mm -hmm. so i actually pulled it up i pulled up leviticus so Mm -hmm. um and then i the first one's obviously a sabbath we'll get there actually it's one of my questions sure 
So the seven holidays that you do celebrate, mm-hmm. except for the traditional American holidays being July 4th and Memorial Day and all that, um, and then Thanksgiving. So mm-hmm. what are the seven? Okay, so in order, what you have is you have three holidays in the spring, you have three holidays in the fall, and then you have one right in the middle of them. So uh, the holidays in the spring, which all fall on, they're all together, uh, lumped up into one group, which is, you know, one week. You have the Passover, you have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is seven days, and then you have the Feast of First Fruits. The Feast of First Fruits is the Sunday of the week of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So wherever it falls, that is the Feast of First Fruits. It's the day after the Sabbath during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the Passover kicks off that uh, week-long celebration. So you have the Passover, you have a, uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is a week, and somewhere in that week, whatever day is Sunday, is the f- Feast of First Fruits. So those are the first three. After that... Uh, and this is something Christians should know, the way you come up with the date for Pentecost, which is the Greek uh, word for 50, is, and in the Bible it's just called the Feast of Weeks, what you do is you count from the Feast of Firstfruits. And you count seven Sabbaths. So the Feast of Firstfruits is on a Sunday, You count to the Sabbath, so Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's a week. Okay, you do that seven times. You land on a Sabbath day, so that's 49. And then it says the next day is the Feast of Weeks, which we call Pentecost. Pentecost, penta, meaning um, 50. Pentecost is the one of the seven... (laughs) holy days that every Christian knows because it's the one that is described and talked about in Acts chapter 2, which is a big part of the foundation of the New Testament church. So then you have the fall feast days. So the fall feast days, uh, you have um, Yom Kippur, you have Rosh Hashanah, and you have Sukkot. So Rosh Hashanah is what we call the Feast of Trumpets. Then you have Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. Uh, That is the high holy day um, for the nation of Israel. Then you have the Feast of Tabernacles, which is Sukkot. The Feast of Tabernacles, again, is a week long. And that is our kids' favorite one of the holidays. I mean, to be honest with you, Hanukkah probably is because Hanukkah is, you know, kind of the week of the year where they all get a bunch of presents so they really like that um but the feast of tabernacles is neat because we erect a tabernacle in the front yard and we all as a family camp out and sleep under the stars for a week and that's what you do during sukkot and the purpose of it is to remember that uh, uh god provided for the jews in the wilderness on their way from egypt to Canaan land and that he did it for the 40 years that they were wandering in the wilderness. So uh, Feast of Trumpets is just a day. Uh, uh, Yom Kippur, or sorry, so Rosh Hashanah is a day. Yom Kippur is a day. And then Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, is a week. 
So those are the seven feast days. Um, Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of First Fruits, Pentecost, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot. Okay. Did that help? Yes. So then, oh, where is and and something just for everyone. In the Bible, you find out that God commanded the nation of Israel, every man that was capable, physically able, had to return to Jerusalem three times a year for those holy days to celebrate them. So it was a nationwide event. Everything stopped. And what you find out is in the book of Acts, several times Paul writes in his letters, I would have come to you, but I had to get back to Jerusalem. So he would always, even during his missionary journeys, he would try to make the pilgrimage back to be in Jerusalem for the Passover, and then he would get back on the road. Okay, go ahead. So do you go three times a year? Oh, yeah, every chance I get. (laughs) No, um, sorry, I do not. But keep in mind, um, you know, Something I should tell everybody. I do not believe you should keep commandments in the Old Testament because they are obligatory. I believe you should keep commandments in the Old Testament because they're good for you. When God tells us to do something, he tells us that because he loves you and he wants you to do things that are good for you. And when God says, I forbid you from doing this, and he calls it sin. He does it because those things are bad for you, and he doesn't want you to do it. I in no way am, and there are lots of guys that do believe that we have to, you know, go back to the Old Testament and start following all of those rules. I'm not one of those guys. I am one of those guys that says, I think it is absolutely flipping insane if you are a Christian celebrating Christmas and Easter. But I ended up doing those things because I started with one. I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to try one thing in the Old Testament that really nobody does. And I think it's going to be good for me. And it was such a blessing. And I brought it up to my wife. And I was like, this is just amazing. The whole family should do this. And she's like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then I slowly started implementing more things into my life. And every time I did something that God said to do, I found it to be a tremendous blessing. And why wouldn't I want to do it? So I just wanted to get that out there. I'm not the guy saying that you have to do it. What I'm saying is, Modern-day American Christianity is a joke because people always decide that they are only going to do what they have to. That's all I ever hear from Christians nowadays. Oh, you know, you don't have to do that. Patrick, you don't have to keep the Sabbath day, man. You, You know, calm down. You don't have to do that. That's everyone's favorite thing to tell a Christian, what you don't have to do. You find a Christian obeying a command in the Bible somewhere and immediately someone's trying to get you to stop doing it. Oh, no, no, you don't have to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't worry about that. People are people miss the point. The question is, can it's not can we do this? Do we have to do that? The question is, should we? Does it please God? Does it bring glory to God? Is it a blessing to me and my family? That's, those are the questions we should be asking. I think if Christians just started asking those questions, 
everybody would be living very differently rather than, you know, what is the minimum amount of Christianity in the Bible I have to have in my life? I forgot the question. Go ahead. Sorry. Please bring it That's up. That's okay. Again. Okay. Well, no, Bob, you make a very good point. And when we were talking the other day, um, what kind of made me think about it was exactly what you're saying is that, you know, it's, it's family time. Um, you know, one of the things I do enjoy and like about Christmas is all the kids. Yeah. We're all together. We're yeah. hanging out. You know, we're usually, you know, I'm, I'm not working. Yeah. Um, I'm not doing this and we, we're all together, which this day and age, everyone's got a device. Everyone's yep. watching whatever. Yeah. Um, it's just a nice time to just talk and hang out and be a family. Yeah. And from what I'm kind of gathering from what you're saying is that that is really maybe the core reason of celebrating all these holidays is it's the family time. Absolutely. It, 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 it's time that I am forced to just take off of work. So, you know, this, this last week I was planning a Bible conference that I was going to try to get some of my guys in my church to go to with me. And I was looking at the calendar and I was like, Oh, falls on Yom Kippur this year. I'm not doing it. And the reason is because I want to be home with my family and it's going to be a special day. So the, and the second reason is also a very big one which is all of these holy days focus on God. So it's a reason for us to get into the Bible and tell the stories and celebrate miraculous things that God has done. And Elijah, do you know what an Ebenezer stone is? An Ebenezer stone, like Ebenezer Scrooge? Yeah, like Ebenezer Scrooge, except that he got the name from this. <laughs> they didn't, yeah, didn't get it from yeah. So what you find in the Bible several times is that Whenever a miraculous event would happen, God would command that they would pile up stones in commemoration of the event. Yes. Several times the Old Testament talks about this. You got it. Yep. Yep. And Joshua, when he crossed over into over the Jordan to fight Jericho. And so then what you find out is that monuments ended up being made. And a lot of times it wasn't anything fancy. It was just a pillar or an obelisk that was set in a place when God would do something spectacular in your life. And it was there for the purpose of you going back and seeing it and remembering it. Okay. That was the whole idea. Yep. So, and this is a neat thing you can look up. King Solomon ended up making two of these and he had them installed at the place of entrance and exit of the red sea where the red sea parting was and he had them put right where the shore was but since they were put up they had fallen over and through erosion they were several feet into the sea and underwater they were dug up by an archaeologist and it was written right on there that king solomon made these for the purpose of remembering this event so let me let me read something to you (laughs) see now i wasn't ready for this so now we're gonna have a whole bunch of silence which is always great um on a podcast 
<clears throat> you know what? I'm not going to try to find it. I'm going to find it in a minute when you're talking, and then I'll I'll give you the I'll give you the verse. So one of the places in the Bible where God explains to the children of Israel uh, what Passover is and that you're going to be celebrating it, he says, and when you do this and your children ask you, Dad, why are we doing this? Because it's a whole thing. You do a special meal with special food that you never eat any other time, and you do it at a certain time, and there's a bunch of stuff that you do you're, and it says in the Bible, when your children ask you why you do this, you will tell them who the God was who brought out the nation of Israel from the land of Egypt with a mighty hand. And these holy days are meant to be a constant reminder of who God is and the miracles that he has performed. And these traditions that are surrounding God, they're just not in anyone's life anymore. Families aren't doing these things. And in the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, God said, you're going to pile up this pile of rocks. And he said, whenever you walk by them and your child says, Dad, what's with that pile of rocks? Because it stands out. It's like, well, that was clearly man-made. You are to stop and you are to tell the story of the great and mighty things that God did when he defeated whoever and what manner, you know, and, and did this amazing thing. And that is the, that's the thing that's killing me that we don't have anything like that anymore. And, and God explained how we can have those things and nobody does. Them. Do you do that in your, in your life currently, like with your kids, is there, is there some events that you have kind of, done that with i guess would be the question so we really focus on uh these seven holy days and then we also focus on hanukkah and we also focus on thanksgiving and you will see that at our church and in our lives if you're you know at our house around these times you'll find that we make a big deal out of it and what we always do is like during the Passover, we basically, you know, have a word of prayer and then we eat and we enjoy the meal. Okay. And then after the meal, we go outside and we start a fire and we sit around the fire and we blow the shofar. Uh, if you're not sure what that is, look it up. It's the ram's horn that we find in the Bible. That was what they used as a trumpet. And we blow the shofar, and then while we're sitting around the fire, you know, and the kids are all drinking hot chocolate, Dad tells the story of the Passover. And we go over the first Passover, and we go over the last Passover. The first one was in Egypt with the blood on the doorpost. The last one was <coughs> excuse me, sorry about that. The last one was Jesus, the Passover lamb you know, about 2000 years ago. So we go over those two stories in the Bible, kind of like you do with, um, uh, with the birth of Christ, you go over, uh, Isaiah and the prophecy, you go over the story of Luke, you know, and you read about it and it's something that you want reminded. So other than those seven times, we basically add in Hanukkah and Thanksgiving. And those are the other times that we really, you know, you know, kind of focus on. If there was a major event in my life, 
that would be a good time to have one of those anniversaries as well. Okay. That's what I was kind of asking was, is there, what, is there a major event in your life that you kind of celebrate to along to follow along that path? No, there's no big pile of rocks anywhere on my farm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Um, so then Hanukkah, mm-hmm. where is it talk about Hanukkah? So in John chapter 10 is, uh, one of the only places that we read about Hanukkah and that's where Jesus is involved. So in John chapter 10, uh, let me see if I can find it. Here we go. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 22, and it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, and then the Jews came around him, and yada, yada, yada. And it goes through uh, the story here. So, uh, number one, the feast of the dedication, that is Hanukkah. In the same way that um, Pentecost is the feast of weeks and the feast of trumpets, you know, um, is uh, uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is... Uh, so the, the feast of the dedication is what the Jews called Hanukkah. And the reason is, um, the Seleucid empire took over the world, um, was Antiochus Epiphanes. The ruler was crushing all of Israel. There was a rebellion by this guy, Judas Maccabeus, and they had this great rebellion and they fought off the Seleucid, uh, armies and they retook over Jerusalem, and they retook over the temple, because when Antiochus Epiphanes moved in and was destroying all of Israel, he uh, broke into the temple, and he broke everything, and he stole stuff, and he sacrificed a pig in the holiest of holies, and he desecrated the temple, and he made it illegal to circumcise your children. He made it illegal to read the Torah. He made it illegal to... um, uh, honor the Sabbath day. He he basically made it illegal to do anything that the Jews considered holy. He was trying to destroy Judaism. And when Judas Maccabeus and his armies uh, took over Jerusalem and they got the temple back, they had to uh, rededicate the temple. So they had to uh, purify the temple and rededicate it. And in that process... One of the things they had to do was they had to uh, fill the menorah, the seven-branch candlestick, with oil and light the lamps. And um, they only had enough oil that was uh, consecrated to light the menorah for one day. And they decided, and they're like, well, what do we do? Because the thing is, if, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, um, they were supposed the priests were supposed to go into the holy place and fill this menorah with oil every day so the light never went out it was like the you know jfk memorial down in washington dc the flame just never went out so that was what they were supposed to do and they're like well we only have enough oil for one day so what are we supposed to do and they said we have enough oil for one day we're gonna uh, observe uh, God's commandments, and we're going to obey God for one day. And they um, filled the menorah with the oil, and they lit it, and miraculously, it lasted for 
eight days, which is where you get the eight days of Hanukkah. So that was the Hanukkah miracle. So it was the rededication of the temple. So that is, then they proclaimed a feast, and that was called the Feast of the Dedication. We Later on, it was given the name Hanukkah. But so when you read in chapter 10, verse 22, the Feast of the Dedication, that, that's what it was. Got it. Okay. Yep. And it even, it's funny, it even describes, and it was winter. Like, in case you're not sure which one we're talking about. Right. Yeah. It was winter. You got it. Okay. What, as far as the other holidays go, um, especially the time that Christ is on the earth, uh-huh. is, what does he say about the holidays? So, Jesus, this is the one thing that people don't seem to understand. And it's it's one of the biggest points of frustration frustration for me. Jesus was Jewish. Right. Jesus still is Jewish. He was born in Nazareth. He was an Israelite. There was nothing in Jesus' life that didn't resemble the Old Testament that we read about. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He kept the Sabbath. They went to the synagogue and read the Torah. Uh, Jesus had a bar mitzvah. Jesus partook in all of the holy days, his whole life. Right. He, they, uh, Mary and Joseph uh, brought him to the temple, and there was a dedication for him the same way that it's described in Leviticus that you are supposed to do in honoring and thanking God for this child. You know, so every single thing in Jewish, Jesus's life was Jewish. So the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, Pentecost, Jesus did all of these and he did them every single year. And one of the things that I constantly hear, especially on like, you know, bracelets and t-shirts is what would Jesus do? Oh, what would Jesus do? You know, oh, what would Jesus do in this situation? And how about this? And what would Jesus do? We know what Jesus did. He has the best documented life of any person in history. We know more about what Jesus did than George Washington or FDR. We know everything about what Jesus did. We don't need to ask that question. All we have to do is read this book and we will see what Jesus did. And people are always like, oh, yeah, you know, what would Jesus do? Why are they asking that? Because we're supposed to do the same thing, right? We're asking that question so that when we, you know, somehow miraculously figure out what Jesus did, we as Christians are supposed to do the same thing. Well, we know what Jesus did, but Christians don't want to do it. It's easy to see what Jesus did, but what he did was kind of weird. So I don't want to do that. I, I just I just want to have Christmas and Easter, and I don't want to ask any questions. But if you want to be more like Jesus, it's not celebrating Christmas and Easter. So then let's follow up question to that. Yeah, give it because to me. In, in several points within um, the different Gospels, it talks mm-hmm. about how Jesus saying no don't do it that way anymore you need to do it this way Mm -hmm. so are is there any just 
in regards to holidays, is there any parts within the Gospels that you are aware of where he says, do not celebrate this holiday or do this or this or this type of thing? No, Jesus never said not to do. As a matter of fact, Jesus was one of the biggest proponents of the law of the Old Testament that you find in the Bible. Jesus constantly condemned the Pharisees because they weren't doing what the Bible said. They weren't obeying the laws of Moses and living out Mosaic Judaism. They were living out Pharisaical Judaism. So they were changing it to fit their lifestyle, and they were ignoring what didn't work, and they were adding on a whole bunch of junk that was never in the Bible that they wanted to do. Elijah sounds a whole lot like modern-day American Christianity, ignoring all the stuff in the Bible that they didn't feel comfortable doing and adding a whole bunch of nonsensical, you know, mumbo-jumbo that the Bible doesn't talk about. So Jesus... Jesus never, you know, said, don't do these things. Jesus was a proponent of the law. The law was a good and godly thing. Now, again, it is very, very clear in the Bible that we are not bound by the law. You know, you read through Romans and Galatians and Ephesians and large portions of the Bible are going over how, look, Gentiles, you don't need to first become Jewish in order to be Christian. You don't need to be burdened. Paul used that term a dozen times when talking about the Old Testament. So it's not as if me or Paul or Jesus or anyone was saying, you guys got to start keeping, you know, almost 700 laws. That's not what he was saying. Um, but no, Jesus wouldn't, Jesus never condemned any part of the law because he, uh, was God and he was the same God in the old Testament that he was in the new Testament. You want to know one of the biggest problems in Christianity today is polytheism. What's polytheism? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) So you are monotheistic. Yeah, poly meaning many, many, okay, many gods. The belief in many gods. You and I are monotheistic, right? We believe in one God. All the rest of the gods are fake gods. Elijah, I hate to tell you, but most Christians you and I know are polytheistic. They believe in one God for the Old Testament and one God for the New Testament. And they don't think they're the same. Okay. Okay, I, I see what you're saying, yeah. And it messes up so many people. People don't understand that Jesus is the same God in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. It's not a different guy. It's not like God the Father was this, you know, mean, tough, you know, vengeful, thus saith the Lord God of the Old Testament, and Jesus is just this hip, cool, new, phony baloney, plastic banana, good times, rock and roll, everything is fine, Jesus of the New Testament. That's not, that's nonsense, but that's how so many Christians view it. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what the Bible says about God. So no, Jesus doesn't condemn it, but I also don't see that Jesus was, you know, really pushing uh, that people need to worry about the holy days. Jesus was pushing that they needed to worry about uh, their eternal soul getting saved 
because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes unto the Father but by him. Which, again, you got to understand. Okay, today, uh, me and my son Washington, uh, we went driving out to a neighborhood. We spent two hours walking around that neighborhood, passing out gospel tracts, knocking on doors, inviting people to church, and asking all these people, are you 100% sure that if you were to die today, you would go to heaven when you died? And if they weren't, follow-up question, would you be okay with me taking the Bible and showing you how you can know you can be saved? That's what we do. We don't go around trying to get people to keep the Sabbath day. We don't go around trying to get people to keep Passover. You know, I don't, in my church, how many people do you think don't celebrate Christmas? Other than my family. I mean, how many do you think? I would say almost none. Maybe. Almost none. Now, Maybe it's not one. not exclusively none, but almost none. It's yep. the same with the Sabbath day. It's the same with all of these holy days. Now, I will tell you this. Everybody in my church loves the holy days because holy days usually mean party at Patrick's house <laughs> with a bunch of good food, you know, and it's a fun time. But this is not what we're trying to teach people this is not what we're pushing on people what i am talking about is really only reserved for the christian that's like look i'm serious about god i'm serious about the bible i want to take another step wow i never thought about this what is this guy talking about i'm gonna look into this oh wow this is interesting i think i might want to make this change i'm gonna pray about it and bring it up to my wife you know and that process might take years Okay, that's fine. But I mean, this is not the focus of our church. It's not the focus of my ministry. The gospel of Christ, that's the focus, getting people saved. And then explaining to them all my, you know, crazy weirdo ideas. So do you believe that there are any holidays that we absolutely should 100% celebrate? Other than, because from what you're saying, yeah. so... The Gentiles, they don't need to become Jewish. Correct. Christ follows. So if you are not necessarily comfortable, however you want to say it, if you're, if that's not normal for you, Mm -hmm. but you, you, so you want to go away and stop celebrating Easter. You want to stop celebrating Christmas. What is the, what is the holidays you should do other than Thanksgiving, of course? Well, and, and honestly, what I came down to, the reason that I got into the holy days was because I got so frustrated with Christmas and Easter And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, I can't even do it anymore. Like, I'm practically, you know, I'm holding my nose and blood is shooting out of my eyes whenever these holidays are coming around. And I'm like, why is this the case? And then all of a sudden it hit me like, boom, bolt of lightning. I'm like, wait a minute. Didn't God talk about a bunch of days in the Bible? You know, so that's why I got into the holy days was because those seemed like it's like well if a christian's going to celebrate something why not start with the stuff god talked about you know instead we don't start there isn't this supposed to be our foundation isn't this supposed to be where we start and where we get all our answers yep okay then show me easter and christmas in here (laughs) it's not in there 
what is in there is a whole bunch of holy days. And I do need to bring this up for everybody because you and I mentioned it. And I just want people to see this. These are not the special days for the Jews. We read about this over and over again in Leviticus chapter 23. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them concerning the feasts of the Lord. They're the Lord's feasts. The, the, these feasts we're talking about, they're the Lord's. God's saying, look, guys, I am going to be celebrating these things. These are special times, and I'd love it if you join me. And it keeps going, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations. Even these are my feasts. And it, it describes it that way again and again and again. It's the Sabbath of the Lord. It's the Lord's day. It's the Lord's feast. So why wouldn't we want to, you know, get on board and do that? So I think holidays or holy days are natural. The, I, I think they are bred into us. The idea that it, human nature wants to have times to look forward to, times of celebration. That's normal. The only thing the Bible talks about are these. So for me, it was like, okay, I did my homework. I learned the history. I absolutely cannot do Christmas and Easter. I mean, I, I told Elijah, and I'll say it live, and I will say it till the day I die. I will burn down my home before a Christmas tree gets set up in it. I will never have a Christmas tree in this house. I mean, I hate those things. They are pagan idolatrous god hates them so because i got there i said man what am i gonna do like what's left what can i do and we still had thanksgiving okay we still have the fourth of july i like barbecuing and blowing stuff up but other than that i was like no i i don't want there's nothing wrong with a barbecue and fireworks there's nothing wrong with you know turkey and football None of those things are necessarily focused on God. And that's what I wanted was I wanted a big celebration with the family and good food that focuses on God. It still focuses on lots of board games. It still focuses on, you know, various cake and pie. It still focuses on a Kung Fu Panda marathon. Okay, those are all fine things to do on our days off when we're doing these holy days. But we also, you know, we light candles, we sit around the campfire, we blow the shofar, we talk about God, and we tell the, the amazing stories of God. I don't know One if year. I answered your question. One year... I'm going to get a couple of the boys to pull a prank on you and set a Christmas tree up in your life. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what, if you try to get them to do that, they're going to be like, Elijah, I don't think you understand. Like our dad will murder something. You know what you should do is you should get your kids and bring them on up here uh, some go. fall for Sukkot and everybody can uh, camp out outside. Make it a big thing. Okay. I still... I mean, just the just your face of pulling in your driveway, these <laughs> lights all around your house, the big wreath. Uh, you well, and you know what's funny? 
What is Hanukkah? It's the festival of what? Lights. Festival of lights. Yeah. We st- we put lights all over our house. Now, sometimes it's kind of weird because it's the middle of November because Hanukkah, <laughs> you know, has it, 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 Hanukkah does not follow the Gregorian calendar. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have lights everywhere for Hanukkah. It's like, that's the thing. Light the candles, like, you know, and obviously anywhere you, you get on amazon.com, it's not like they sell Hanukkah lights. You just right. <laughs> you buy blue and yellow, blue and white, you know, Christmas lights. Well, then I'll just get the 20 foot blow up Santa to put on your roof. Yeah. We have a eight foot tall blow up snowman that my kids love to death. Yeah. I'm fine <laughs> with snowmen. <laughs> All right, buddy. What else you got for me? Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you my wife's response when we started talking about this. You brought this up to your wife? I did. Okay. Did she say Uh, she doesn't want you hanging out with Patrick anymore? (laughs) She didn't go that far. Okay. (laughs) The first, which I'm sure some people, depending on where they're from and if Mm -hmm. you really actually know Patrick or not. Yeah. I I could see how this could, because it came out of her mouth. She was more joking, Mm -hmm. but she said, Wow, he sounds like a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> First off, they celebrate birthdays because I've been there for several. Yeah, yeah, we we do but, birthdays. So we do blood transfusions every like every quarter, once a quarter, just to do them. Well, the, the interesting thing <laughs> is, I actually have a Jehovah's Witness friend. Okay. Um, that uh, we uh, both of our companies do some stuff together. We've, yeah. we've hung out several times. Really good guy. Yeah. Um. I actually, when we hung up, I had about another hour left to get to get to the ranch. Mm-hmm. I called him <laughs> for some context, mm-hmm. and I started talking to him about this. And they actually have a lot of the same ideals. Now, granted, I don't agree with a lot of the other things. Obviously, got their own opinion, but yeah. I understand. Um, but the same basis, he basically said the same thing: of it's not in the Bible anywhere. Yeah, you, know, you cannot find the holidays, and and he explained it in a similar fashion. So it was sure. very interesting. Um, and then now that you're talking about going door to door with Bibles, it's I mean, do you wear a suit? Uh, I wear a shirt and tie. This is what I wore. Okay, there you yeah. go. It's not it white, anyone? and it doesn't have a little name tag that says Elder. No, that's Mission. That's Mormon. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> You know what's funny is a lot of times when people answer and they look at me weird, first thing I say is, I'm not a Jehovah's Witness. And they're like, oh, okay, come on in. <laughs> like, well, and you know, it's funny too. Like your wife said, man, Patrick sounds like a Jehovah's Witness. My response to that would be, sweetie, even a broken clock is right twice a day. Okay, it's, You know, it, it doesn't matter that the Jehovah's Witnesses happen to get something right. Okay, that yeah. that's not, you know, support or... Um, you know, for either side of the argument. So the the other thing, since since we're on all the subject and kind of some weird things, is mm-hmm. that um, the Sunday, yeah, Sunday Saturday, yeah. So I know fair in several places in the Bible it talks about the Sabbath day being sure. on Saturday. Yeah. Um, well, actually, that's not day. true. It only talks right. about it being on Saturday. What did I say? You said some t- uh, several times the Bible talks about. Uh, the Sabbath being on Saturday. Okay, well, I should say, set in several places in the Bible, it uh-huh. talks about it being on Saturday. Uh-huh. So I would say exclusively, it never talks about the Sabbath being any other day. That was my point, but forgive me, I'm 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 interrupting. Yeah, just just okay. Go ahead. Nope, I'll give you some runway. 
<clears throat> so do you know the history of why it moved to Sunday? Question one. Yes. Okay. Love to hear it. Cause I actually don't know. Don't know the history. Okay. So, and you're going to get a couple of conflicting stories. So, um, I don't know which one to believe, but one th- here's one thing I can tell you is that the first century Christian church ended up being pretty anti-Semitic. Do you know why? No. But- what was Paul doing? Well, he was preaching to the like preaching to the Jews and getting them to No, no. What did Paul start doing? <laughs> you're in like you're a ways down. That's not what Paul started doing. What was Paul's mission? Preaching to the Gentiles? No, Before that. What you, I have no idea. Okay, Paul, and I'm gonna find it here because this would be worth looking at let's see okay so Stephen was stoned and here it is and Paul consented to it and uh, Acts chapter 8 and Saul was consenting unto his death and at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him and as for Saul he made havoc of the church entering into every house and hailing men and women committed them to prison therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word so Paul was literally in charge of going house to house and dragging men and women into the street and beating them and bringing them to prison where they were, you know, questioned, oftentimes beating these people to death. And then Paul later, it goes on and says that he went to the elders of the church Uh, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound onto Jerusalem. So Paul didn't care if they were men or women, okay? He dragged them out of their homes and beat them to death in the streets. That's what Paul was doing. Pre, pre him becoming an apostle. Yes. Correct. Okay, yes. so then we see the major conversion, and obviously, you know, things get a lot better. You but you said, what was Paul doing in the very beginning? Yeah, said, sorry. No, no, no. I, I'm not that good at asking questions. I do that at my church all the time. I ask way too broad of a question, and everyone's looking at me, and I'm like, okay, wait, I, I get it. So understand that there was a massive anti-Semitic movement and sentiment in the early church and it wasn't for no reason it was because the jews were the first persecutors of the christians 
Right. They were hunting them down and killing them. They were doing the work of the secret police, Elijah. It was horrible. People yep. were scared to death of what was going on. They were so scared that they picked up everything they had and fled from the home where their families were just to try to survive. Could you imagine what would be required in America today to go on where you would gather up your wife and kids and be like, we are fleeing for our life. We are running from this town. It would be really bad for any of us to even consider that. So because of that, you find out that there was a large movement away from anything that even appeared Jewish. And, you know, those things were the Sabbath day, circumcision, the holy days, all of the things that were earmarks of Judaism. So there was a, there was a big push um, in the early church, you know, that was very anti-Semitic. And then what you have is you have the 10 waves of persecution coming on the early church from the Romans. So the Romans were unbelievable in the way that they were rounding up and murdering the Christians. Now, did you ever see the movie Gladiator? Yes. Of course you did. Okay. You're a red-blooded American who loves God. (laughs) So in that movie, do you remember the name of Caesar, the one that told Russell Crowe he needed to be the next head honcho? Marcus, Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius. Do you know that Marcus Aurelius was the worst persecutor of Christians in the history of the Roman Empire? No, but he's got some great great quotes. Yeah. He out of the 10 waves of persecution, his was the worst. He came up with the law that said if you turned in a Christian to the state, you got their property. So if you found out that your neighbor was a Christian and you turned him into Rome, they would give you your neighbor's estate. Can you imagine how every civilian in Rome was hunting for Christians? Right. It was an opportunity to exponentially grow your wealth. Yep. It was out of control. So anyway, during that whole time, which was, you know, decades and decades, the church was underground. During that time, uh, they weren't meeting on Saturday. They weren't meeting on Sunday. They were meeting whenever they could. So there was no concern about Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Thursday, whatever. It was just whenever we can get together, that's when we're getting together to worship God. But it was underground. It was in homes. It was done, you know, under the cover of darkness. People were getting baptized in the middle of the night you know, in rivers because they were fearing for their life. So then when stuff finally changed, and you got to remember that persecution continued until the third century. So we're talking over three, you know, little, I'd have to do the math, but close to 300 years of severe persecution. Mm -hmm. And then even after that, when things started to lighten up and Christians in different countries had, you know, some amounts of freedom, 
there was still a large anti-Semitic um, sentiment, which kept them from wanting to, you know, keep the Sabbath day. Does that help? That nope. That uh, that does. So what was the conflicting one? That was that was story one, right? Yeah, the, the, there's a couple, but we are at an hour twenty. Do you want to keep going into these, or do you want to? Th- that's the one that I believe was, you know, uh, the cause. Yeah. Now keep in mind um, when you read about Constantine. Okay, and this is again. The founding of the Catholic Church was 3rd century AD when Emperor Constantine got baptized and decided that he was going to be a Christian. He wasn't a Christian. It was a political move. But he made Christianity legal, and then you have uh, the state-run Roman government (laughs) running the Christian church, okay? And I'm using air quotes to say Christian, okay? Right. Um. out of all the things that Constantine did and said, um, they started celebrating um, uh, and worshiping God on Sunday. Do you know where Sunday gets its name from? I'm guessing there's some pagan thing that... The worshiping of the sun. It is the day of the sun. And that is the old Egyptian and Babylonian uh, gods, um, you know, Ra from Egypt and uh, Isis, Horus, and Seb, Nimrod, and Semiramis uh, from Babylon. You know, these were the old uh, pagan gods that, you know, they mixed in. And it's like, okay, we're just going to do it on Sunday. So it was really the merging of paganism And then when Christianity came out, the Catholic Church was blowing and going. So the true Christians that came out, you know, all over the world and spread true Christianity all over the world, they had Catholicism on their back the whole time. You really don't find that true Christianity was legal and not persecuted and able to be worshipped in churches openly until, you know, eight, nine hundred years, a thousand years after Christ. That's when you start to see the first church buildings that are not Catholic being erected anywhere in the world. And the problem was uh, that the pagan roots of Catholicism had such a hold on the world that, you know, Christians, when they um, started worshiping publicly, they stuck with the pagan alternative, which was Sunday. Okay. Good question. so let me ask do you think uh is any chance i could come and preach at your church sometime um there's there's four no there's five campuses Uh um i don't know what the membership numbers are but i'm at it's in the tens of thousands yeah so um let me i'll send an email yeah there you go yeah send it up the chain (laughs) see what happens you can, you can send them this podcast. That'll probably help move it right along. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> <clears throat> so then, um, Advent. Mm-hmm. How about Advent? Pagan. 
Really? Well, it it all has. It's just. Whoops! Sorry, I just dropped some. You know, uh, Advent is all um, centered around uh, uh, and is the lead up to uh, Christmas. Yep. You know, it's the same thing. Look, here's what you got to remember. Anytime you leave the Bible and come up with something, the odds are it has paganism all over it. I mean, what what Christians don't want to look at is just how paganized Christianity has become and still is, especially in America. Because nobody... In America, we have this kindergarten culture where nobody wants to stand up and be different. So nobody's going to look into these things and nobody's going to raise a stink and nobody's going to change the way they do it because everyone's a big baby in this country. But it's unbelievable the amount of idolatrous pagan practices that are you know mixed into Christianity today. Do, do you guys do like sacraments type thing? Um, um, like, do you guys do, um, the Lord's supper, the Lord's supper? Oh yeah. Yeah. Lord's supper is a hundred percent Bible. You know, it's described uh, in detail, you know, the Lord Jesus did it. Um, we do it a little differently than other folks do it. Uh, again, we try to stick to the Bible. So, um, when the Lord Jesus did the Lord's supper, can you think of something that he did that you've never seen done during the Lord's Supper? Washing of feet. You got it. Yep. You ever see the pastor of the church do that during the Lord's Supper? That'd be pretty funny. That'd be a lot of people to wash. Well, I understand. You know, keep in mind, he did it with 12 people. But the other thing you got to remember is that who is the Lord's Supper for? Like us. Us meaning who? Define us. Uh, I guess this is another broad question. So I, it is, but you know, we'll start with a broad answer and we'll work our way down. I mean, it's for us as believers and people. It's a, it's for us as believers. I agree, and the Bible's very clear about that. So let me ask you this: Most churches, did they only allow believers to partake? depends the catholic church is very big on that sure uh you have to go through the whatever it's called yeah first holy communion you got to be approved but keep in mind the lord's supper is not communion communion is a catholic sacrament which they believe distributes the grace of jesus it's a work that helps you to get to heaven in the catholic church the lord's supper in christianity is meant to remember Christ on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, um, his body and his blood. And it's something that he instituted with his church. So there, there are other churches that like, okay, so Mormonism does uh-huh. abortion. Uh, you have to be a believer. You have to, some things that I'm more familiar with that one. Um, my mother sure. took us to Catholic church, you know, yeah. several times, but, yeah. um, my church does inversion. Sort of, um, but it's not every Sunday. It's one time a month at the beginning of the month. Yeah, and and what I tell or ask a lot of folks is, okay, there, so there's 
there's really kind of three ways you can do the Lord's Supper. You can do open, which is whoever shows up gets it, okay? Um, You can do closed, which is it is only given to not only the saved, but saved members of that church. Because it is an ordinance of the local church. So like for me and my family, if we go to another church, we're on vacation and we're visiting another church because we want to go somewhere while we're on vacation for a week and they have the Lord's Supper, we will not partake of it. Okay. Because it is for their church and the membership of their church. Now, only certain churches take it very seriously but do you know what the bible says about people who take the lord's supper unworthily do you know what the bible says could happen to them uh no imagine something about going to hell (laughs) no not not going to hell but the bible says that they could die Hmm. yeah Okay, and let me find this for you. If you go to Corinthians, I'm going to see if I can pull this up here. I'm going to search for it on my Bible app on my phone because... Um, First or second? Uh, I don't know yet. Unworthily, I think it is. Nope. Um, let's see. Okay. Yeah, let me see if I can find it in my Bible. Sorry, this is... I hate... Go ahead. You got something? It's very interesting because that is what the Mormons believe. Well, they believe... Yeah. Well, obviously there's a whole bunch of other things, but if you take the sacrament, you know, the the Lord's Supper, if you take it unworthily, because... It's open in a sense that you are supposed to decide for yourself whether you're worthy or not, and they, they define that. Yes. But um, if you do it without being worthy, there's there's some things that, that could potentially happen. Uh, my church just, it's whoever wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, you decide for yourself, and they are very open about, hey, take one if you want. If you don't want to take one, you don't have to. Sure. Um so then, they practice open. Yes. And then yeah. Catholics, I would say, open in a sense. And, uh-huh. But, I mean, essentially it would be defined as open because anyone can go to a Catholic church and they can, you know, have communion if they want it, even though you're not supposed to do it if you haven't had. Correct. Gone through all the stuff first. So, so for us, we do closed, and that means that, it is not done on a typical church service. We have a special night that we do it. And how often do you do it? Uh, as often as you want. There's no timeline. As a matter of fact, that was one of the things that Jesus said is as often as you do this, do it like this. So it, you can do it once a week. You can do it once a year. But what you find out when you read through the Bible is that it was not for all the disciples. It was only for the 12 and it was done on a special night. 
it wasn't done on a Saturday, you know, at a synagogue with just everybody there. It was a special night where they made special plans and they did special things. They sung a hymn. They had the bread. They had the wine. The bread, by the way, is supposed to be unleavened. I hate it when I see churches that just, you know, whatever, pass out muffins. It's like, <laughs> okay, leaven represents sin. The bread is the body of Christ. There's no sin in it. There's a reason for that. Um, there was the washing of the feet. Uh, and, and again, Elijah, I know that what I'm saying sounds crazy to people because everyone's view on everything is just, ah, whatever you want. But you never find that lackadaisical attitude with God, ever. God is specific. You go to the Old Testament, God said, hey, you didn't do it just so. Fire comes down from heaven. Killed two of Aaron's sons in the book of Exodus. Nadab and Abihu. Okay, because they brought strange incense before the Lord. I don't know what that is, but God didn't like it because he didn't do it just so. You know, and nowadays, this New Testament American Christian uh, attitude is, ah, whatever, ah, God's fine with everything. No, he's not. You know, it's like, guys, can you at least try to follow the Bible? Like, the way you do things, can you stop just looking up on the internet how Joel Olstein does it and figure out what the Bible says? At least have a reason for why you do it. But, you know, pastors don't do that anymore. Christians don't do that anymore. And no Christian in the pew knows the Bible well enough to ask the pastor, what the heck do bunnies laying eggs have to do with Easter? So nothing ever changes. But if you go with the Bible as whatever the Bible says, it gives us a model, then you're going to start to say, well, we're really not doing it the way Jesus did it. Like, again, what would Jesus do? When it comes to communion, what would Jesus do? Well, he'd have a rock band and a smoke machine, and he'd, you know, start handing out muffins to everybody that showed up. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't do any of those things. That is not what he did. So anytime we want, we can get into it and see what he did. But they talk about it where it is the job of everyone to determine for themselves, okay, whether they are worthy to take the Lord's Supper and if they're not, you need to understand that you can get sick and you can die if you take it unworthily. That's the reason that, you know, we take it seriously. So what is the representation for, like, who washes, do you guys wash each other's feet? Nope. During, the-, during the story that we read about in the Gospels, Jesus washed... Right. Uh, the feet of the apostles. Yes. So when we are talking about church leadership, the model that Jesus gives us is that he who is in charge gets on his hands and knees and washes everybody's feet. Okay. So that is the model that we've adopted at our church. And the purpose of it is to demonstrate church leadership. So many times in America, there are all these pastors that try to be these big, like rock and roll icons of a, of a pastor, right? They're the super pastor and they 
write books and they preach at conferences and they're on the news and they get invited to the White House and it's like this, oh, this great big thing, right? That is not the way Jesus shows us how to be in charge. God says if you're going to be in charge, your job is to wash feet. That's what Jesus did. Jesus had more of a right than any of us to be the center of attention and be worshipped. Literally, he had the right to be worshipped by everybody. And what he did was he showed all of us pastors, this is how you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to gather everybody that's a member of your church together, and you're supposed to have this special time where you remind everybody, this is who I am. I am the lowest. It's very interesting. It's different, but it is. that's what you get here on Bible Thumper. Somebody's got to say it. You know, though... <clears throat> I have been to a lot of churches, mm-hmm. especially here in North Texas. There is we're still part of the Bible Belt. Yeah. There's there is a literal church on every single corner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've learned that quantity doesn't <laughs> really translate into quality. But go ahead. So I have been to several. Mm-hmm. Um, and I basically have kind of found that there are certain things that I personally believe that a lot of other churches don't believe from my time reading the Bible. And I basically found one that checked the most boxes possible. And I went, I'm going to go there. Yeah. So they, they do enough. Um, They close as I can get because I get it. uh, You know, I, I applaud you for kind of doing that just yourself. You're like, well, I'm, None of these fit, so I'm just going to make my own. Yeah, and that's what we did. We're like, well, you know, it just worked out where we just got pushed into this corner, and God's like, all right, you're going to start a church. Show them how it's done, Patrick. You know, so it's like, all right, well, if we're going to do it, then we're going to, you know, try to do it this way. We're going to just use the book, and uh, that means we're going to be kind of strange and weird a lot of times. Well, you were before you started. Yeah, that's the thing. I was like, and I was all concerned about it for so long. I was like, oh, man, you know, Lord, if I start keeping the holy days, people are going to think I'm a weirdo. And if I start keeping the Sabbath day, people are going to think I'm a weirdo. And Lord, if I start wearing, you know, tassels on my clothes, people are going to think I'm a weirdo. And Jesus is like, "Uh, Patrick, people have thought you're a weirdo your whole life. I was like, yeah. Yeah, they have. So what does it matter? <laughs> now I'm a weirdo for Jesus. Hold on, time out though. Yeah. Tassels? What? Tassels. Okay, so I can't really show you without like, you know, jamming my butt or my crotch into the camera. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tassels. All right, go to Numbers, chapter 15, verse 38. Okay, Numbers, chapter 15, verse 38. You ready? Speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations. 
and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. Yes. You remember the woman that had an issue of blood that was sick for 12 years, and when the crowd was pressed upon Jesus, you know, real tight, she came up and she grabbed the hem of his garment. That's what she grabbed. Yes, and then she was healed. And she was healed. Okay. So, verse 39, And it shall be unto you for a fringe that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye use to go a-whoring, that ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your God. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. So, once again, one more thing in the life of someone who worships and follows the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob where we are supposed to have a constant reminder of who we are and how we're supposed to behave. So God says we're supposed to wear these, and God says that when you look at them, you're going to remember the commandments of the Lord. And that's the purpose. It's just a reminder. Do you know what a mezuzah is? I've heard the term before. but So a mezuzah is a... Uh, and sorry, I don't have the verse. I could look it up. A mezuzah is a little, it's a little box. It's a little container. And on that container, what you find is that you have, you have the word of the Lord Mm -hmm. and you roll it up and you put it in that little box and it says to put it on your doorpost. So every time you enter in or exit your home, you are reminded who you are and how you're supposed to behave. You're supposed to have the word of the Lord with you at all times. And that's the idea. All of these things that God gave to the nation of Israel, these were reminders. These are things to help you remember that you are to obey the commandments of the Lord. And, my favorite part, uh, and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye use to go a-whoring. So, these are things, again, when I find something in the Bible that God commands, I say, you know what? I'm going to give that a shot. And every one of these things that I've done has been a blessing in my life. So I keep doing them. I just keep taking another step. And again, the purpose isn't to get saved. The purpose of these things isn't to say that I'm a better Christian than you know someone else. Uh, the purpose is because I want to be more like Jesus, and these are things that Jesus did. So do you practice that with all the stuff in like Deuteronomy, which I haven't read Deuteronomy in a long time? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't do bestiality or necrophilia. 
Yep. It's just only a couple things. And there's a whole bunch more in there than that. Yeah. I also, uh, don't, uh, involve myself with incest or homosexuality. I'm a big fan of those commandments in the Bible. <laughs> yep. Yep. All of those are just right up my alley. Yep. Those are good ones. <laughs> <clears throat> Isn't there some other, it's been so long since I wanted to do because <laughs> it is, uh, it is not a very, it's not a, you know, jubilant read. It no. is very. Oh yeah. There's some <laughs> ugly stuff in there. Yeah. <clears throat> Dude, the Bible forbids child sacrifice and necrophilia. Do you know why the Bible forbids child sacrifice and necrophilia, Elijah? You want to take a guess? Somebody was, somebody was doing it. Someone was doing it. Yes. Do you know that necrophilia is legal in Iraq for up to, I think, 12 hours after your spouse dies? Did you know that? No, that's a new one for me. Yeah. That's terrible. That's today. That's not like thousands of years ago. That's right now in Iraq. <laughs> That's what you can do. <clears throat> Aloha snack, snack bar. Yeah. <laughs> Is it uh, so introduction to the law? Here we go. Session. Are you looking for a special one? No, but I remember there's a list in like a, obviously the Ten Commandments, but there's another list. Um There's a lot of lists. There's some very interesting ones in the list. Well, while you're looking for those, I'm going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 20, and I'm going to read the one about putting the word of the Lord on the doorposts. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 20. Uh, therefore ye shall lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they be, may be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall teach them your children speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up and thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. Doesn't that sound like good news? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't I want my days and the days of my children multiplied? It is very interesting because there's a lot of things that, you know, that are forgotten. Just nobody does anymore. Well, and everything that I read to you, what's the purpose of all of these things? putting God at the center. That's and, it. And remembering him and yeah. It's nothing weird. And no. honestly, it's the same thing that, you know, good pastors will tell you any, you know, Sunday morning from the pulpit, yeah. you know, albeit wearing flip-flops and the pulpit's made of glass, but whatever. <laughs> I've never been to that church, but okay. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, they exist. Well, they, uh, the snake churches still exist, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do. Which, how they haven't killed each other, I still don't understand. But Yeah. 
<clears throat> all right. Well, I am, uh, that's about all the questions I got. So, well, that's good timing because we are at one and three quarter hours. Isn't that amazing how the time flies? It, it does. Yeah. And we have uh, four people watching us live. So thank you very much for tuning in. Nobody has sent in a comment or a question, but that's okay. Um, this is my friend, Elijah Gilmore, uh, who I love dearly and miss dearly. Um, and uh, you are on the Bible Thumper podcast. We're here every Sunday night, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central. And you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. And if you just Google App, uh, Bible Thumper podcast, you'll find a Facebook page and a YouTube channel and all the stuff. And you can contact me directly at Bible Thumper podcast at gmail.com. So send me an email if there's something you want us to talk about or you have questions about the Bible. I'll be more than happy to chit chat with you. And thank you guys for tuning in. Elijah, thank you for being a part of this. And we will definitely have to do this again. And maybe we'll talk about something a little bit more specific. Uh, so that way, Patrick doesn't just throw a fit like a child uh, for an hour and a half. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Okay. You have a good night. You too. <laughs>